0: Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Tanner F. Boyle. He published a fascinating book back in 2020. Title of the book is The Fortean Influence on Science Fiction, Charles Fort and the Evolution of the Genre. So I'm delighted to have him on the show because this is a person who I think is very important who passed away, I think, in the 30s, but his influence is really immense on the modern culture And some of these people that you see on big podcasts or shows or even on kind of paranormal radio, I think you can trace a line back to Charles Fort. But Tanner traces the line of Charles Fort's influence through science fiction or SF. You can shorten that to an acronym, SF, through a lot of characters that I have or individuals that I have researched independently. Arthur C. Clark, Robert Anton Wilson. I did a show about Robert Heinlein, Stranger in a Strange Land. And uh, so there's a lot of really interesting characters in this book, and the primary character is a guy by the name of Charles Hoy Fort, but Tanner can talk about more about that. So Tanner F. Boyle, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, excited to be here.
0: Excellent. So for people who may not have heard your name or this book, can you kind of talk about your background, what led you to put together this material, and then publish this title, The Fortean Influence on Science Fiction?
1: so yeah i was a uh english major in college and this book actually comes out of a undergraduate thesis um, and i just sort of expanded on it turned it into a book uh, my backgrounds in like cultural studies uh, things like that um, I, I was very grateful that uh, my advisors allowed me to <laughs> tackle science fiction and Charles Fort, uh, because that's—I would say—that's highly unusual. He's not really a known name in the English world, but um, yeah, I've—I've I've been into Fort and the paranormal since I was just a just a kid. I think I was introduced to Fort's name in a young adult novel I mentioned in the book um, *Chasing Vermeer*. Uh, he's used as like a somewhat recurring plot device. His book *Low* and uh from there bought the books been going through them pretty much ever since uh and yeah i i wasn't really a science fiction fan until later on but after taking a few courses in it i realized huh like charles fort wrote about all of this stuff um and digging a little further you can see that that influence is often just names directly they'll name forts um they'll be interested in 40 phenomena other other connections to his work so um right.
0: yeah and so who, who was charles holy fort and what were his books and why is he an important kind of foundation for your book
1: so he was something of like a failed novelist uh short story writer um his short stories were published because he had a good friend in Theodore Dreiser, the author of like Carrie and several like pretty important works in American literature in the early 1900s. And uh, Fort eventually moved away from fiction or kind of some people would consider the, the stuff he wound up with still fiction uh, but he published the Book of the Damned in, I think, 1919. Um, I'm hoping I'm not getting that wrong. But uh, published four books focused on like unusual phenomena reported in newspapers or scientific journals. And sort of makes the case that um, our understanding of the world isn't quite what uh, the scientists of the time would consider it to be. Um, he wanted to make clear that things weren't as like set in stone and there was possibly something fantastic going on in the background the the main phenomena associated with him are things falling from the sky so like if you could put together a list of that it'd be very long it'd be like pebbles frogs rain <laughs> i said rain right. but blood
0: fish fish right all kinds of stuff right yeah uh
1: it's kind of amazing how much just junk is falling from the sky uh but uh yeah he wrote four books the first was the book of the damned then new lands then low and wild talents was his last book and he sort of covers just like the full spectrum of the what would become like Classic paranormal topics. Uh, there's even like early UFO stuff, spontaneous human combustion, mysterious disappearances, psychic powers, just like you name it, and it's in there.
0: Right. So he was like amassing all of these stories, all of these strange stories from newspapers, and really was kind of an encyclopedia of those stories, right? His book. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He apparently he'd write things down on little note cards and stuff them in a in like a big drawer desk he had <laughs> um and i think those are all like lost in a fire which makes me sad uh because those would be fascinating to see he spent a lot of time in the new york public library just going through their collections spent some time in london doing the same thing um just like scanning countless volumes of Newspapers and scientific journals just looking for something anomalous, and when you put them all together, like he did, it does it does paint a picture of the world that is like radically different from like the common understanding.
0: Right. So he is not the harsh, the the cold, objective scientist. Right. So he's kind of the, he's willing to look at this unexplained phenomenon. Right. Categorize it.
1: Yeah, and he had, a, he had a bit of a reputation as like a religious crank. Um, I know there, there's some quote of his where he says, like, uh, I can't believe they're, that they're criticizing me for going after science this much. It's not as if I'm trying to bring back Moses, I think is the quote. Oh, uh, so he, he really wasn't like, I think he was mostly uninterested in any kind of dogma. And the effect that it could have on like our perceptions of like events and our understanding of the world. He, he felt like dogmas could paint a uh, unmovable picture that wasn't always the true thing.
0: Right. So, right. So he's going against like the standard kind of milquetoast grain. He included urban legends, I think, is an important part of the whole Fort influence too, uh, leading up to today through the science fiction, but. So many of these people are super influential, but he he also influenced kind of the early pulp fiction, uh, amazing stories. These kind of things where a lot of science fiction writers were publishing their work, right?
1: Yes. So, John W. Campbell, the um, astounding science fiction editor, uh, reviewed Fort's books uh, pretty early on, and. Um, noted them as like an excellent source book for sci-fi authors for ideas. Um, and then later on, Amazing Stories, a uh, separate magazine, just to kind of just kind of show like how it was in like almost every pulp science fiction novel of the time. There's 40, 40 and tracks throughout Amazing Stories would republish Low as a serialized feature. Um, in the 30s, Low
0: was one of his books, right? L O, yeah. exclamation mark, right? That's the title. Yeah,
1: it o- it always feels weird to say that.
0: Yeah, does because yeah. you think L O. In my mind, I'm thinking L O W, but it's like lo and behold, almost.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I I think the the influence can become apparent when you realize just like how many science fiction authors of like the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s were reading these pulp science fiction magazines while Fort was being reprinted, while he was being suggested as an excellent source book. Um, and and I, I think that that's largely where a lot of the influence comes from. But even like H.P. Lovecraft was aware of Fort contemporary, contemporary to his time. Um, and mentions Fort in a few fragments. Uh, his whole style is kind of, kind of like Fort's, where he um, he's writing as if he's trying to pull a incredible hoax. I think is how he describes it at times. But uh, and I, but it's also
0: yeah. that feel that the world is much different. It's a much different universe than this kind of sterile world, right? Isn't that kind of Kind of hp Lovecrafts is there something behind something sinister behind uh behind our, our reality
1: yeah and i i think lovecraft also is critical of like an over-reliance on science as a means to understanding the world better um because usually usually these scientific endeavors backfire horribly
0: right uh, sounds very current um also, like I think Hubbard was published publishing in Amazing Stories. You made you have a whole section on Heinlein, yeah, right? So these guys are all in that post after Fort passes away. They're right there in that very influential time, this foundational time of this uh, genre that didn't have a lot of respect right at that time. Would you agree with that?
1: I yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I find it interesting too that. Campbell was influential in promoting fort to sci-fi writers and he's also the editor that's put Dianetics in a sci-fi magazine for the first time um, in fact the, I'm I'm struggling to remember the the uh, source on this so I apologize but I believe there's a um, there's another Hubbard connection in that his novel I think Excalibur was described as something that would make its readers faint, uh, which was how the Book of the Dams was also advertised. Um, so, kind of, kind of an interesting thing.
0: Right. So, these are like they're they're like the modern ghost stories or something. The fourteen stories to have an effect upon you. Also, that was kind of like the the one of your earlier kind of explanation. Can you explain kind of? Uh, maybe the kind of uh, maybe fiction like these writers are intentionally uh, rubbing out the edges between fiction and nonfiction is that right
1: yeah so fort uses the term truth fiction which i find has the like um there's there's not enough like uh that feels too much like a binary whether whereas i think it's more of a spectrum Uh, so I, I did maybe fiction, but Fort's truth fiction is like the idea that there is something true in everyone's yarn, uh, specifically talking on urban legends. And I, I think that's something that's, it's something that's existed in fiction for a long time. Like the, um, you know, like pretending that, uh, the, writing is, like, a true tale as a means of, like, um, uh, like narrative. <laughs> I'm losing my train of thought. Uh, that's
0: all right. Well, but it's, it's like, just the like, fact that this this, this boring of meaning, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Sorry. No, that's okay. Robinson Crusoe, you use that as an example in the book of this kind of Fictional truth telling, and that ties into Lovecraft too, right? Because he was supposedly leading people on. This is a true story about my adventure, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and i I think there, I think there's a sense in fiction in general that that's like an excellent way to like uh, suspend the disbelief of the reader. Um, and and I, I think Fort was influential in that way because these he's reporting things that supposedly actually happen. So if you can take like these real-world examples that fun, sound fantastic and you can source them back to fort like you know that makes that makes the story sound pretty realistic.
0: All right, and you you trace that kind of style through Blair Witch Project, one of the hugely influential films, the Montauk Project, Mothman Prophecies. So these are all 14 14- 14 stories, modern 14 stories, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think there's something to be said for how influential Fort was on like that whole movement of like paranormal journalism, uh like trying to expand the boundaries of science. Uh I, I also have a section where I kind of talk about how many of these like Later, Fordian authors were also interested in science fiction. Like, Kiel had a sci fi newsletter, Valet has written a few scientific science fiction novels. Um, it's just, it's there, there's a real overlap there. They're constantly talking with one another, even though they kind of remain separate.
0: It right, is interesting. And now you mentioned that for Whitley Strieber, right? Communion is supposedly, it was placed in the fiction section, but he portrays it as nonfiction, even though he wrote other kind of fictional books, right? So he's yeah crossing different this, lines. Here.
1: This kind of comes to Kripal in that uh, he notes that the themes of Communion exist in his novels written beforehand. Um, so I, I, I think there's some sense that... Um, it's like an interesting case of well, was that the experience influencing his fiction subconsciously, or is his fiction influencing how his experience is perceived? That kind of thing, right? And I don't, yeah, no. I, don't, I don't think there's ever a super clear answer,
0: right? It's fuzzy, like, I think they intentionally like fuzzed out those borders, like those mental borders and terms, and you also play off. Uh, the term may be fiction with high weirdness from Eric Davis. Those kind of overlap too. So even even Forteanism or Fortian influenced science fiction. There's a lot of high weirdness in that, right?
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I th- I think the best example, if anyone's interested in picking up some pulp fiction, is um, Eric Frank Russell's Sinister Barrier because it'll u- it it'll- it uses like I've tried to track down all of the sources of like the Fordian claims in it. It'll use like some real newspaper things to support the fictional plots, uh, but it also invent a few, um, just very interesting. It also, it, it's like explicitly inspired by Ford um, and sort of bouncing off of his claim that we might be property of something else that's dropping things on us from time to time.
0: Right. So he's actually kind of, that's the theme that goes through a lot of these science fiction and Strieber, right? Is that we're being influenced or farmed or something like that, right? Even Clark too, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've noticed there's, uh, Clark especially is very like aware of how the abduction phenomenon works, which I, kind of found interesting in hindsight um yeah because i I expected him to be like a staunch scientific realist kind of guy but i think he i think earlier on in his career he was way more interested in like like it like in childhood's end they use a ouija board and uh the aliens are like, well, they're on the right path, but they're not using it correctly, which I, I find just like an insane thing to add to that novel.
0: Yeah, it's remarkable. And the, de- the head demon looks like a demon, right? There's like yeah. weird occult stuff in there. And that's kind of part of the 14 experience, too, is the influence of esotericism and occultism as well. Going through yeah. a lot of these guys' experiences, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the writers would have been knowledgeable of Fort. Uh A few took place in Fortean organizations, like uh, Heinlein supposedly did, but I can't find evidence explicitly that he was in the international Fortean organization. He was at least in Edgar Mitchell's Institute of Noetic Sciences, um, Dick apparently showed up at a lot of Fortan conferences where I talk to authors because I can at least find evidence that there is that they talk to each other.
0: And you talked uh, to his wife, right? His wife said that he mentioned Fort, right? In yeah,
1: kindly answered some questions I had about uh Philip K. Dick's interest in Fort. Um, and she remembered him telling a story of Fort throwing out all of his notes, which I found. Uh, I found that remarkable because that means not only was had he read Fort, but he knew like the history, like his biography. <laughs> um, so that that illustrates like a pretty insane interest. He's only mentioned by name in one short story, but um, I think Fort's, like, blueprints are all over Philip K. Dick.
0: I think so, too. I think he's over Arthur C. Clarke. Like, he was a very much, like you say, a very standard scientific intellectual. But his whole mysterious universe is 14 right? It's oh, secret yeah. archaeology and events and things like that. Like,
1: yeah. I grew and, up and on that. He, he sort mystery. of takes the skeptic position, but I think it's always clear that he's very interested in it. Um, which I, which I think is a fine position to take, um, you know, sort of like uh, humor, humoring the idea for a bit. Uh, I can respect that more than just like straight up debunking, <laughs> I guess.
0: All right. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, so you talk, you go into detail about Clark, uh, Dick, Fineline, but there's, like, we talked about some of this other, these there were other guys that kind of were in between, Edmund Hamilton and Frank Herbert. Can you talk about some of those early people who corresponded with Fort?
1: Yeah, so Edmund Hamilton was actually in the uh, earliest Fortian society, um, corresponded with Fort regularly, um, and... I think that's where the quote about him setting to bring back Moses comes from. Uh, But uh, Hamilton also, like also wrote a lot of short stories that um, explicitly like reference 40 and phenomena. It's clear that he's bouncing off of like the book of the damned or low. And, um, uh, as I can say, Eric Frank Russell was actually the head, I believe, the head of the British chapter of the Fortean Society uh, in so, England. So that, I, I, f- I find that interesting, too.
0: And who was, um, who was William Corliss? He was kind of carried on carried on the work, too, of Fort, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So he he kind of tried to pick up where Fort left off and sort of um just just like um collating a bunch of like anomalies and journals and things like that uh he doesn't he doesn't have quite the centric writing style that fort does but i think it's a respectable uh attempt to continue the work uh i I haven't really mentioned it but his fort's writing style is just incredibly entertaining um he's almost he you can tell you like he used to be a journalist um because he's got that real like flashy early 1900s journalism voice uh, but he's talking about just the craziest stuff you've ever heard right
0: like he almost like it's like stop the press i've got this story right it's almost kind of an urgency would you agree with that
1: yeah yeah um, very dramatic, uh, but never like super self serious.
0: And he, I mean, this stuff like coralus cryptids goes all the way up through Politi's, right? Uh, Was it Lost oh, yeah, 4, Eleven or 9-11?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I I I think there's a case to be made that any any sort of paranormal non-fiction almost of any stripe is like reliant on fort in some way um it's just like kind of didn't exist and most of the authors of later things are like aware of Fort, um are in vague 40 in circles um it's it's just really it's really It's really hard to overstate how important Fort was to this, like, specific breed of literature.
0: Right, and that's that's. I think Polidus you can put him in that kind of maybe fiction category because he's talking about real people disappearing. But then there's like, is it Bigfoot? I've talked to Polidus, but uh, he's made a whole career off of these disappearances in parks and things like that. Without you know, so he's got the same kind of create the mystery I think or, or yeah. leave that mysterious non and why did this happen? This paranormal? And it probably, I think paranormal is one of the biggest genres of past after true crime paranormal is the biggest genre in the modern podcast genre. Yeah. I
1: yeah. I I would agree with that. I mean, it, when, I, when I, I remember in the early two thousands uh, to them, just being like everywhere and as a kid, you know, I, I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. And I mean, look at Coast to Coast, the popularity of one of the, biggest, one of the biggest radio shows had all these characters that owe a lot of their kind of approach to Fort. Bondanigan, yeah. Sitchin, Hancock. Uh, yeah. It just goes on and on. You mentioned all those names, Lazar, Keel. So really this, it's a categorical question about whether a lot of these guys are science fiction. And to me, they're all science fiction but I think yeah. he put it out as nonfiction. Would you agree with that?
1: I I think I would agree. Um, it, I'm I'm trying to trying to think of an example, but uh, like in in the case of Lazar, like it is just like I, I think even let's let's pretend it's true, right? And he's crafted a great story because he he. I think I'm quote, I'm paraphrasing Phil Patton's dreamland here, but he knows when to give details and when to not give details to leave just enough, like, uh, reasonable suspicion that anybody listening to him talk about this is like, well, he may be telling the truth. His details are so precise but he does he also doesn't remember specific things which also seems like very precise uh yeah right
0: no and Rogan, i, was I remember Nap, right
1: super cagey about uh <laughs> about saying it's bigfoot outright um which i i find also a very 40-inch rate right yeah super intro i mean it is
0: that we're in a total Fortean environment. I mean, you talk about the science fiction, but those, yeah, the UFOs are very Fortean, um, Paranormals, very Fortean. Like, what's causing this? What's behind all this? It just goes yeah. through our whole cu- culture. It really goes back through Charles Fort. There, who's before him? H.G. Wells, Edgar Allan Poe? I don't know.
1: And it, Wells himself is like a pretty – strict scientific minds and uh, particularly hated Fort apparently um, because Theodore Dreiser sent him a copy of uh, one of Fort's books and he wrote back saying that he threw it in the trash can. <laughs> Interesting.
0: I mean, he Fort was not a, a hit in his lifetime. Is that true or how was he received while he was alive?
1: He sort of had a pretty major cult following. Um, I guess the Book of the Damned sold decently well, but I don't think any of the follow-ups did. Um, and he was he was living off of in, an inheritance uh, towards the end, I believe. I don't I don't think he was making much in terms of money, um, but. Uh, yeah, the Fort the Fordian society actually had like some pretty crazy people in it, like Dorothy Parker, Ben Hecht, Alexander Walcott, just you know, like super respectable New York literati. Um
0: Right, the Algonquin Society, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. A lot of overlap between the Fordian society and the Algonquin
0: Roundtable. Round table, round two, that's right. It's interesting. He's really, yeah, he's really something else. Like he was a unique person. Like he pre-saged all the stuff that's happening today. Not all of it, but just these genres, these paranormal genres, science fiction, UFOs. And can you talk about Jacques Vallee? How he fits into kind of this story?
1: Yeah, so I, I think Vallee tends to take uh, the and like approach to ufology. And that he's not super interested in the the like physical reality of UFOs. He acknowledges that they might be a physical reality, but um, he's way more interested on the effects of the people that experience them, um, just sort of as a cultural phenomenon. And I think. Um, at valet is also like super interested in science fiction he definitely likes to um put on the guise of like a globe trotting ufologist in a way that i think lends itself to like uh i mean again it kind of feels fictional but it is he is really trotting the globe looking for ufo evidence uh yeah
0: Right, so he's kind of before, what is it, John Mack, kind of doing that, networking. I mean, I think Valet is still around, right? I mean, he's... he's, uh, Uh,
1: I think his papers were just put in a special collection at Rice. Um, Oh, So uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it, Uh, but Dr. Kripal, I believe, is in charge of it.
0: Interesting. And what's the story? Maybe. Say that again. Impossible archives. Impossible archives. Interesting. Interesting. And and how does uh, the whole Mothman prophecy John Keel pop play into this whole story?
1: So I, I know Keel was super into Ford. Um, Ford is mentioned once or twice in the Mothman Prophecies book itself, um, and. I, I think Keel was also interested in, like, cataloging anomalies without doing, like, crazy amounts of due diligence to just sort of craft, like, a reality around them. Because uh, I... it's I, 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 uh, I, for, like, the prevalence of, like, Mothman and pop culture now, I, I can't explain that, but I... <laughs> I kind of get it, if that makes sense.
0: Gotcha. Um, do you have time for a few questions, Tana?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. David asks um, for the author, are these authors that you've mentioned in the book connected to any agenda?
1: I, I think maybe some of them. Uh, I, we were talking a little bit before the show about Ballet and Robert Anton Wilson being uh, sort of colleagues and that there is just kind of a weird milieu milieu <laughs> milieu, milieu around uh, some of these authors. I won't go as far as to say like all of them are, but there's definitely some weird pockets in there where there's something deeper because. Like once you get into Robert Anton Wilson, you get into Discordianism, and uh, you know Operation. Can I,
0: can I curse on here? Yeah, mind F. Let's yeah, mindfck mind right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that is a real thing. There's no doubt. There's some definite overlap with some of those characters, so there might be an agenda. Um, yeah. Let's see. Michael asks, "What story or event caused you to think the most that you came across while writing this book?" oh man um
1: i guess i guess i'd have to say childhood's ends uh by arthur c clark um, i just the uh, reading it with like a 40 idea in the back of my head i think it's just kind of phenomenal how like many things from folklore like popular paranormal culture uh aliens you know it's it's like all there and uh i can't always figure out why it's all there if that makes sense I, I keep having to go back to it and think about it some more
0: it's a strange book i mean childhood at its end is like to try the childhood of man is ending and they're going into space right they're all becoming morphed into this new civilization isn't that right yeah yeah
1: And I I Um, think we've seen that idea pop up a lot in pop culture since then.
0: And Barbara G. asked, wasn't Valet a Christian? He brought up demonology and the UFOs, didn't he? Are you familiar with that?
1: I can't speak on whether he was a Christian or not. I know that demonology and UFOs get talked about a lot in Passport to Magonia. Um, He's sort of uh, connecting like, demon folklore to um, UFO folklore. But he's also connecting it to, like, fae folklore, just like a whole slew of things. In, In fact, I would say, let me think about this. Since Fort, I think Passport to Magonia is probably the most Fortian work of nonfiction we've gotten since.
0: And maybe make
1: people
0: there. Yeah, you have a ballet quote in your book mentioning Magonia at the intro to one of the chapters, right?
1: Yeah, and Magonia comes from Fort, uh, or you know, Fort you and comes from folklore, but Fort definitely thought of Magonia as a possibility for why things were falling from the sky.
0: So that's the other that's the other place where it's coming from or something it's like a kind of like a heavenly realm or something right yeah kind of
1: like. I think it's Norse folklore although I can't
0: speak on that and David David asks is this a simulation
1: like uh, that we're in currently or I think, so. I, I think you
0: kind of go through that on the book don't you, you kind of mention that or one of the authors mentioned that.
1: I do. I I think um, a lot of Fordian authors have picked up on the idea that all the anomalies around us are sort of like a matrix-type construction where the system messes up for a second. Um, I personally don't think we're in a simulation, but uh, I don't know. That's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I think I'm skeptical of the way that's been pushed
0: in pop culture. Gotcha. Well, Tanner, we are at the 37-minute mark. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything I missed? Can you talk a little bit about uh, where people can get the book as well?
1: Yeah, so you can find it on uh, mcfarlandandco.com. It's also on Amazon. Uh, there's a link to it on my Twitter page, which is uh, at Tanner F. Boyle 1.
0: Gotcha. Um, at Tanner F. Boyle. So is that also a good place for people to reach out to you if they have any future questions or anything like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm currently focusing on um, like uh, UFO incidents as psychological operations, military operations. Uh, so the... If you're interested in that i've put a few threads together i hope they're decent
0: <laughs> nice. but, what was that movie that they had where there was like a military intel guy it was a documentary was it magic man or my what was it called shoot oh
1: mirage man
0: mirage man yes thank you that yeah. was really good
1: highly recommended watching
0: <laughs> yeah that's really important i also did spies kooks Saucer, Spies, and Kooks, with uh, that's a really good one that goes into that as well. Written by by somebody who's a member of the Discordian Society, which, uh, you know, yeah. Um,
1: Um, Yeah. (laughs)
0: um, Anyway, great interview, really informative. Loved reading through the book. I mean, it just really opens up to how influential this 14 current environment is to modern cultures particularly science fiction like you cover but in different mediums as well not just books i mean that's kind of what you get away with at least that's what i uh, took away from it so tanner f boyle title of the book again is the 14 influence on science fiction charles ford and the evolution of the genre and the author again is tanner f boyle thanks so much for your time
1: yeah thanks again for having me on this was really fun
0: cool awesome stay there